Hey, that was the first time I had a chance to see that. That was awesome. Thanks, Sean. Uh, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. I heard three people that are kind of good. And so we'll just see what we got. So uh, I have a question before I start. How many people here remember who George Burns is, was? Wow, more than I thought. Good. Okay. But definitely there's an age break there. So George Burns once said that the secret to a good sermon is to have a good beginning and a good ending and to make sure they're as close together as possible. <laughs> but since only like half of you know who he is, I don't have to worry about that. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was speaking to one of my friends here in the office and we were talking about uh, discourse, just talking to each other and how much it's changed over our lifetime. Uh, how, how it seems like, now, you know, we always fall into this trap of, man, in my day it was like this and like that. There's always been issues, but it seems like back in the day, people could have conversations about difficult topics without immediately jumping to, well, I hate you, you're evil, I can't believe you think, like, etc. Now all you have to do is jump on social media to see what that's like. Um, I am not a resolution type person because I think that we tend to make those two uh, narrow or too big. So it's either like, man, I'm going to lose 250 pounds and I'm going to have a six pack of abs and I'm just going to look like, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know why that's the first person I thought of. I'm going to look perfect. Uh, and then, you know, as soon as you kind of don't do that, because that's a lofty goal, you give up on everything. Or you're like, ah, you know, I'm just going to be a better person this year. Well, what's that mean? But we do have this chance by the calendar at, at a new year, like we are now, to start fresh again, to look at things and be like, okay, so this is what things have been like, this is what things are like, how can I do better, how can I be better, how can I love more, how can I be more like Jesus? And so I want to talk about that today, I'm going to go to John 3, 1 through 21. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So Nicodemus was not just a Pharisee. He was part of the ruling Sanhedrin. So he was like one of the big guys. He was uh, a major person, a major voice, a major leader. And Jesus was not one of them. He was the leader of, I guess, for lack of a better term, the revolution. He, he was a leader of, of men. He was a fisherman. He would teach people. He was on the streets where they would be kind of on their own, waiting for people to come to them. Jesus went to people. So they were very different at very different places. Uh, and people looked at them very differently. I want you to imagine this today. Imagine that someone who is a, a high-ranking Democrat and a high-ranking Republican meet together, or presidential candidates, or just people that disagree, people of different religions, people of different lifestyles, people of whatever the difference of opinion is, Ohio State and Michigan fans. You don't have much to celebrate right now, but it's still, you've got that to hold on to. I, you beat Ohio State the other day. Um, but imagine that. And imagine what that conversation would go like. And again, unfortunately, all you have to do is look at social media to kind of see examples of this. And you see people just show such anger and such hatred just because other people are different. And absolutely, it happens to us too. But what we see here is more evidence of who Jesus is and how just the way he is was having an effect on Nicodemus. 
And the other Pharisees, maybe they weren't willing to talk to him, but Nicodemus sought him out. And so he came to see Jesus. And he came at night, maybe it was so there wouldn't be an interruption, but maybe it was so he wouldn't be seen. But either way, he came. He came to ask questions. He came to talk. And Jesus listened. He started by listening. He showed love. He showed who he is. He set the example. He showed what discourse is supposed to be. Uh, going to the next verse. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven without or kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the spirit. So Jesus is very straightforward here. He goes straight to the point, but he's also very loving. He shows gentle truth. Uh, he doesn't attack the Pharisees first. He doesn't attack Nicodemus first. He just starts talking about what Nicodemus asks about. He starts talking about the truth. Now, for us, we've grown up in the church or we've been familiar with the church, so we know the concept of born again. But here, especially for, for a Pharisee, like born again, that's a crazy concept. That's not something that the first time you tell someone, they're like, oh, yeah, I get it. And yet Jesus went to explain it. And so in Greek... That actually means anothen. Uh, excuse my pronunciation, I'm just guessing. Uh, but it also means from above. So born from above. Born again means born from above. And so he's telling him that. And Nicodemus asks a question that again, we think, well, how do you not know this? But he doesn't. It's never been talked about before. And it's a legitimate question. And Jesus answers him. He answers him with truth. He answers him with love. And at the time, the Pharisees and, and the, the Jews at the time felt they deserved heaven because they were God's chosen people. They felt that was it. They're like, I don't need to be born again. You know, I'm, I was born a, a, a son of Abraham, a daughter of Abraham. And unfortunately, I think that sometimes, sometimes we fall into that feeling of we deserve it. I've gone to church my whole life. I, I know Jesus. I, I know the answer to this. You have to listen to me. You should listen to me. I'm right. And we go into conversations acting like that and, and treating people like that. And the conversations, the discussions become arguments because we act like we deserve to be heard. And then if somebody asks us questions, eh, whatever. But imagine if Jesus responded the way that we sometimes respond to, to Nicodemus' question. Imagine if he's like, come on, I told you what you needed to hear. Just get with the program. Or, or come on, you're so stupid. How can you not get this by now? I mean, that's an immediate closed door. But we know that Jesus would never be like that because Jesus is love. Jesus shows love. Uh, I have a quote from C.S. Lewis. Um, I have a few heroes in my life, and C.S. Lewis is one of them. Uh, I think he's like a modern-day Paul. He, he is really smart. He, well, I guess he's gone now, but he wrote a lot of wonderful books and he really brought Christianity to a lot of people. And in this quote, he says, a proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Several years ago, before I came here, I remember listening to a couple of Christian leaders 
talking about politics. Because that's what we do sometimes. And they were coming at it from the perspective of, it's not fair that the other side doesn't have the same rules. That the other side can gossip and talk about things and lie and everything else. And they weren't saying, you know, I wish that they could grow from this. I wish that they could learn. They're saying it's not fair that they get to do this. But the way they were saying it was very much looking down on those people, looking down on the other side, regardless of what the other side is, looking down in pride. When you look down on other people, when we feel like we deserve it, when we walk around with pride, and I'm not talking about good pride like, you know, pride in your faith. I'm talking pride, like the seventh deadly sin, which isn't, you know, a thing, but still. When we do that, and we go into conversations like that, where we're looking down on them, on what they believe, on how they live, or whatever, we're not paying attention to the opportunities from above. We're not showing who serves, who leads from above, who serves from above. And it leads to patronizing, to talking down to. It, it leads to anger at not being listened to, at not being accepted. It, it, it leads to wanting to be right rather than desiring to live right. That's what pride can do. And that's what C.S. Lewis is talking about. And C.S. Lewis was a very, very smart person. Um, I don't know whether it's apocryphal or not, but it's said that his conversion to Christianity, he was an atheist, and J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote Lord of the Rings, uh, he gave him a bunch of books, because he knew how C.S. Lewis was, about Christianity and about Jesus. And C.S. Lewis got on the train and read every one of them. And then he came off the train a Christian. Because logically, that's how he came to it. So he was very smart, and yet he went into conversations not acting like that, not talking down to, not patronizing. And I go back to Jesus, imagine. Imagine if he treated us like we sometimes treat other people. Imagine if he just listened to us so that he could respond. Or if he just put us in situations where, you know, he could make fun of us. Again, he'd never do that. So if he would never do that, how can followers of Christ ever do that? And when Jesus is talking about being born again, again, it's a difficult, a new concept. It's such an amazing thing that I think we take for granted sometimes. Because to be born again means that literally every person has a chance at heaven. Jesus died on a cross so that all of us could be here today to have a chance at heaven, to believe in him, to follow him. What if it really was just God's chosen people and nobody else had a chance? That's a bad deal. But his, he loves us so much that he gave us this chance. He shows us grace and love and hope. And with Nicodemus, he's not lecturing. And he knew everything. He could lecture easily. But he's talking. He's loving. And I will say this. Pride has no place in relationships of any kind. Everyone has a chance at what Jesus provides, and it's up to us to show them in the way we talk, in the way we act, in the way we live, in the way we speak, in the way we very much are. We're supposed to be an example. We all know that. Christian literally means little Christ. We're supposed to be that. And being an example 
That's more than just not sinning. Because not sinning, it's not that hard. I mean, you know, it feels hard and temptation and everything, but it's more than that. It's showing people a better way. It's showing people what Jesus showed them. It's living how Jesus lived. It's not just going to church on Sundays. But it's bringing church with us throughout the week. And I'm not talking walking with a hymnal and having a a, a recording of Sean playing. I do that, but it's just for fun. And I'll tell you this, sometimes for a couple bucks, Sean will actually follow me around and sing like a soundtrack behind me. It's fun. But it's actually showing people what we do here. Not closing doors, but helping them to be open. So I am a big Marvel fan, which is, I know, not shocking if you know me. And Marvel is the good one. That's the one with Spider-Man and the Avengers and everything. And if you like the other side, DC, I'll pray for you. But I'll do it with love. Um, But I know a lot about Marvel, like a lot more than I should, but I do. And if I were to, say, offer a class on how the the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, can tie into Christianity in some way. And so I wanted to give a history of Marvel and everything. And in that class, I start by going to the very beginning. I talk about these comic book concepts that are crazy and and just like, well, you know, actually, in issue number one, uh, in issue number five of Amazing Spider-Man, this happened and blah, blah, blah. And I just like talk down to you and constantly like, hey, this is what... Spider-Man actually means, and this is how he was created, and blah, blah, blah. What are you going to do? You're not going to join the class. You're going to be like, ah, it's a nice try, but come on. But sometimes we bring Christianity to people like that. We bring Jesus to people like that. We try to make it difficult so that they'll need us. And that was the entire thing the Pharisees did. Going to verse 9. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know uh, and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe it if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Uh, Nicodemus asks him a question, and Jesus responds, again, in a loving, a truthful way. He doesn't dumb it down for him. He doesn't say, oh, you know, what a wonderful question, patronizingly. He's like, you should know this stuff. But not in a, like, you should know this stuff. It's like, you should know this stuff because other people listen to you, and it's so important. And he's excited, and you can feel it as he's talking how excited he is to be discussing things, to have a back and forth. Because conversation is always two ways. It is never one way. If a conversation is one way, that's a lecture. That's not fun. Although I guess right now it's kind of one way, but we'll ignore that. (laughs) Conversation is asking about their life about their hopes, about their dreams, about their beliefs, not just so you can shoot them down. Like, oh good, I'm glad you brought that up because I have an argument against that. But just asking so that you can build that relationship because helping someone find Christ is relationship first. Because Jesus built relationships with the disciples. 
And step by step, he loved them and he showed them how to do it with other people. And that's what we're supposed to do. Again, not to prove them wrong, but to discuss things, to have an open conversation, to have love between people. If you go into a conversation or a meeting or anything with the mindset, okay, how can I change them? You've already lost them. Because the answer is we cannot change anybody. We are changed by Jesus. We are changed by his love. We are changed by his spirit. We are changed by this feeling of of just completeness, of, of love, of everything that he gives us. And that should be so exciting that we run to tell other people about it, that we run to show people about it. And we don't do it in an angry, a, a patronizing, a, a tough way. I think sometimes we're all, myself included, uh, guilty of thinking that other people have opinions or ideas or beliefs or whatever just to kind of tick us off. Now, if you're a parent, that may be true. But for most people, Nobody, when they're coming to their their conclusions about faith, about belief, about life, they're not thinking of you, about me. That's just who they are. And so we, again, fall into pride and we're like, well, you know what? I just really got to set them straight. Yeah, that's not how it works. All we can do is make sure that people see Jesus. Make sure that people hear Jesus in our voices, in the way we talk, in our tone. Make sure that people know him by the way we live, by what we talk about, by how we live. And Jesus shows us yet another example, and it's kind of hidden in here, but it's amazing. When he talks about just as Moses held up the snake, so the Son of Man must have been held up. Jesus could have gone high level and said, you know what, I'm going to die for your sins and you got to get in with the program. But he said, he, he brought it to a place that Nicodemus understood. Just like a couple weeks ago when I was talking about the three wise men, the Magi, uh, God put the sign for them in the sky because they were astronomers. He comes to us and Jesus came to Nicodemus and, and he helped him to see it that way. And again, he doesn't hide who he is, but he shows love. And understanding. And he brings him to hope. Going to verse 16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. So that everyone who believes in him. Will not perish. But have eternal life. God sent his son into the world. Not to judge the world. But to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But everyone who does not believe in him. Has already been judged for not believing. In God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. This starts with the most famous scripture in the world. Everyone knows John 3.16, no matter what religion. Everybody knows John 3.16. We see it. Everybody knows it, which shows us that it's about more than knowledge. It's about living that verse. It's about the everyone in that verse, that everyone, Jesus died for everyone. Everyone has a chance at Jesus. Everyone is loved by him. God loved everyone. Everyone who believes. And then my favorite verse is actually right after it. It's 17. And in different uh, 
versions it says judge and some it says condemn. Either way, the, the idea is the same. He didn't come here to judge us. He didn't come here to condemn us. He didn't come here to shame us. He came here to save us, to show us a better way. And sometimes we confuse the meaning of judgment because we think, well, you know, I have to judge what's right and wrong. Well, yes. But there's a good way and a bad way to do that. We live that judgment. We don't throw that judgment on other people. Sometimes we hastily rush to point out other people's sins. Because we think if we just bring it to the surface, then we can fix them. But we forget what they're dealing with. We forget what their life is. We forget to show them that once we were messed up too. We're here to relate to people. One of my other heroes, Mr. Rogers. I've talked about him a lot. Again, I, he's just... Amazing. If you read things he said and how he spoke to the level of children, it's such a cool thing. He shows who Jesus is. And this quote, love isn't a state of perfect caring. It is an active noun like struggle. To love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is right here and now. Sometimes, unfortunately, that's a hard thing for us to deal with. We like to say, I love them, but... I love them, but they need to be better. I love them, but they need to fix this. I love them, but they need to be more like me. I love them, but. And again, imagine if this is how Jesus loved us. Imagine if Jesus said, you know what? I love you, but you really messed up last week. You honked and you cut somebody off. You said the wrong thing. You did the wrong thing. Man, you just were on the wrong side of things. So you need to fix that, and then I'll bring my love back to you. Or if you go to pray to him, and he's like, yeah, you know what? I'll listen later when you're where you're supposed to be. We'd all be in a lot of trouble if that's the way Jesus did things. But it's not. He died on the cross before any of us were Christians. He died so that we would have that option. Love is active. Love is working at it. Love is loving people. It doesn't mean that you think everything they do is right and everything they say is true. That's not what he's saying. That's not what Jesus is saying. But it means you love them. Not just because you have a chance to fix them or change them, but because you're supposed to love them. Because Jesus loves you as we work through our imperfections, as we work through our lives, as we work through being better. That's what love means. It's active and it's real and it's true. So there's a secret about me that very few people know. I have a niece. Uh, she's two and a half. Her name's Beatrice. I don't have a picture of her. I'm sorry. Well, I have a million pictures of her. You want to see it after service, but I don't have one on the screen. So she is in the process of potty training right now. Who here remembers potty training? Good. A few of you. But she's in the process of potty training right now. And she has little pull-ups and... Uh, my sister has a schedule for her just so we can take her to the bathroom and get it ready and everything. Again, she's two and a half. So she's not perfect with it, but she's doing pretty well. But let's say that we're out. We're at the mall or we're looking at Dyson's. Dinosaurs, sorry. We're looking at, that's what she calls it. We're looking at things. We're doing something and she has an accident. Can you imagine 
If I stopped and said, you know what, I loved you a lot before this, but I'm ashamed of you now. And you've got to get this potty training thing down before I talk about you in service again. <laughs> She'd care very much about that. No, but uh, imagine that, or with your kid, or with your family, or somebody. And you're like, yeah, Beatrice, you, you messed up. Sorry. No love for you today. It's insane. And yet we do that with people. We do that because we don't understand what love means sometimes. It, it, it's something that was given to us freely by grace. And it's something that we're called to give freely as well. And again, we continue to help people. We continue to show people Jesus. We don't hide the message. We don't hide who we are. But the love never changes. Because love is what we're supposed to do. And it talks about light. People will recognize the light of Jesus. It is impossible to not recognize the light of Jesus. And yet, in order to recognize it, they have to see it. In the last few years, the last few months, whatever. Sometimes I think that light has been clouded a little bit. By politics, by anger. By personal feelings, by grudges, by whatever. But to show that light means to always show that light. Sometimes we ignore some sins, we ignore some things. To focus on ones that we don't understand. To focus on ones that we've never struggled with. To focus on ones that are more visible. Because... We are always more forgiving and more understanding for things that we agree with or that we did or that people on our side deal with. Jesus never sinned. Not once. And yet, he loved sinners. He ate with sinners. He taught sinners. He called sinners to follow him. Jesus never betrayed anyone. Yet he washed Judas' feet knowing what he was about to do. Jesus never lied. Yet he forgave Peter for denying him three times, for lying and saying that he didn't know him. Jesus never murdered. Yet he called Paul to be one of the greatest apostles, one of the greatest disciples. Jesus never struggled with what we struggle with. But he loves us more than we can even imagine. And he sees what we can do. He sees our hope. He sees our worth. I want to go to John 3, 16 and 17 one more time. I have a slide for it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is our faith. This is what every church is established on. This is what all of our lives should be established on. This is the Jesus that we serve, the God that we serve. This is how we're supposed to live. This is our calling, our life, our example. Don't just know this scripture. Live this scripture. Show this scripture. scripture. Speak this scripture. We are here because God has a purpose for us. And when we are out in the world, that purpose is to show the light of Jesus 
to show the way of Jesus, to show the example of Jesus, to show that God loves every single person we meet, whether we like them or not. And to live that each and every day. And we have this chance to take this year, 2022, that's right, 2022, and to make it a better year, not just in terms of weather or or plagues or whatever else, but to make it a better year in terms of how we live, how we treat other people, how we talk to other people, how we post or how we don't post. To be better and to be more like Jesus and to show everyone that God so loves them that Jesus died to open the ultimate door for them. And we are the light that he shines through us to show them that it's a better way. That's all I got.